0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Hey Amen. That was awesome. Uh, Richard and Karima, thank you for sharing your life. Really appreciate how much you guys have meant to the whole West Side. A couple things we want to talk about. I did want to let you know that. We are ending our Black History Month celebration next week, and we have a special uh, couple coming in. They have led the church in Lexington, K- Kentucky, and that's Greg and Allie Campbell, and they're coming in to speak. Uh, they are also not only speaking to us, but they are actually available as a ministry staff couple. So we are in a process of interviewing a variety of different couples for uh, staffing in the coming months, so uh, they're going to speak next week, and then we're going to have, after church, uh, picnics out in the park right after church. And we're going to kind of pair up with our small groups and then our house church groupings, right? With campus singles and marriage together. So that's next Sunday. Be prepared for that. We're going to have lunch together out in the park, your own little, uh, small group grouping with house church grouping. We'll have picnic together. We'll have some great fellowship. And it'll also give us a chance to meet the the couple that's coming in as well. And they're going to speak and preach for us. Amen. Yesterday was my 28th wedding anniversary. And I just got to say, Carrie, you are my best friend, my hero, my partner, uh, my love, my joy. I love uh, serving God side by side with you. I know we're studying the gifted series and we're talking about how we've been given many gifts to to, to become uh, what God intended, that we're each a masterpiece. But you are definitely a masterpiece of the Lord. And I feel so privileged to be your husband. So I love you so much. We are in the process of triangulating our three signals of our gifts, our passion, and our story, our GPS, and we're getting that from the book, Find Your Place, that we're all studying, and um, I hope that you have had the chance to read through that book, whether camp is single or married. It's, It's tremendous material to help us learn how God has uniquely made us to fulfill His will, and well, today... We're going to do uh, the second of the, the three signals, which is your passions. And so today's title is Purpose and Passion. Let's have a prayer and set our hearts. Father in heaven, I pray right now uh, that you will move in each of our minds and hearts, that you will help us to understand your will for our individual lives and your will for our collective life as a West Side Ministry. Please help us, God, to open our minds, to submit ourselves to your word, to be inspired and to tap into our deep passion that you've put inside of us so we can serve you in a powerful way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What comes to mind when you think of passion? I know most people think of feelings, deep, strong feelings or doing something or having an experience where you really feel alive and you feel, you know, we say, I feel passionate about that. And as we discover our God assigned passions, we're going to shift from a sense of feeling maybe lost or maybe not so motivated in our mission and service to God to, I believe, having a sense of clarity and direction. So when you add in an understanding of what your deep passion for God is, you're going to tap into a power that I believe will really motivate and help us pursue our calling. So we're going to look today at the idea of your passion. Your passion is for the who, the what, and the how that you were made to fight for. And we were all made to fight for something. And we were all made a masterpiece. And so the theme of our series find your place in this gifted series is that you are a masterpiece of God made uniquely by God and you have a mission. And as you tap into your passion, you will understand what your who and your what of that mission is and who you were made to fight for. Amen. You know, we're in a spiritual battle. There was a battle in World War II, the Battle of Normandy. It was one of the most bloody and intense battles. It was depicted apparently quite accurately in the movie Saving uh, Private Ryan, and, and they had this battle scene. Well, a funny idea, and, and I've seen this depicted, and even one of our old Civil War battles, it's kind of the, called the, the battle where they had a picnic going on. I want you to imagine a battle scene like this on the beach of Normandy. Imagine a family just sitting down having a picnic in the middle of all the war. It'd be insane, right? You'd think you're crazy. Get up and fight the battle. Get involved. And yet many people, unfortunately, in our day and age, don't recognize that there is a world at war spiritually. And they don't necessarily take their battle position. They don't tap into what their passion is. They're not seeing it for what God intended for you to see it as. And so you can be lost in the middle of a great battle. And the truth is, the Bible teaches each one of us is born into this world at war, a spiritual war. And your mission, your masterpiece mission, what you were uniquely designed and made for, is your battle station in this war. Let's read Ephesians 6 together. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And you can see the Apostle Paul writing is talking about a great cosmic battle going on. I've highlighted some of the words rulers, authorities, powers, the dark world, the spiritual forces of evil. We need to comprehend that you are in a spiritual battle. I was talking to a friend who uh, was recently seeking a Christian counselor. And she was talking about how inspired she was that her Christian counselor brought up the spiritual battle. And, And she realized that so much of what she was going through had to do with the spiritual war going on in our culture. It's a real thing. And we know across our globe... There are giants, Goliaths. You know, we studied the the story of David and Goliath, which we're going to look at a little more today. And I know last week Justin talked about that. There are Goliaths of poverty and disease and homelessness in our world, of sex trafficking. You know, before the, you know, COVID-19 pandemic and, and crisis in the news quite often was what was known as the opioid crisis in America. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but 136 Americans die every day from opio- opioid overdose, overdose. Since 1999, 840,000 Americans have died of these drug related deaths. Sadly, in 2016, <coughs> the end of 2016, my own cousin in law carries. First cousin, Natalie, died of a fentanyl overdose, aged 34 years old, left two beautiful boys. We're in a war. You know, addiction oftentimes is something that we get stuck in because we're masking other pains, right? We're looking to to mask the pain. There's a spiritual war going on. We face it in our relationship with one another all the time. See, these types of difficulties and sins create a systemic demonic evil that does exist. And, you know, we're called to a battle to change it. Amen. We have a reason to be here. We have a purpose. I'll never forget the feeling of recognizing that I had a reason to live that was far greater than the so-called American dream. I was here to change the destiny both the present and eternal destiny of other souls on this earth. And you are called to the same. Unfortunately, we oftentimes don't fight the right battle. You know, fighting these huge systemic evils is like a David and Goliath battle, isn't it? Look across, the, read the headlines. There's challenges out there all the time. And if we don't walk in faith and understand our passions clearly, we're going to ignore our responsibilities and we, we can miss the right battle. We could be like, you know, ever been to a family when, you know, family affair when two of your family members get drunk and they start fighting? I have. Not a good scene. Ever been to a sporting event for your kid? And instead of cheering for your team to win the, to win the actual game, you see a fight break out among parents. I did a little internet search on, okay, fights during sporting events. I could not believe How many headlines? People going to jail. Parents punching other parents. Parents, parents punching coaches. Coaches punching parents. Parents punching referees. And referees punching them back. You know, we're made to be in a battle. But we gotta make sure we're not fighting the wrong battles we got to make sure we're tied into this spiritual war that's going on that affects every soul on earth. And you are called to a mission. You are called to something bigger than you ever thought. And I know when we become disciples, we catch a glimpse of this mission. We go, wow, I get to make a difference in the eternal destiny of people. But if you've been doing it long enough, sometimes you can lose your passion. Or you've lost sight of exactly what it means or looks like. And I hope you can regain that today. We want to look really closely at this idea of your passion and to fight the right battle. I want to hearken uh, back to the story of, of David and Goliath. And certainly in this story, the Israelites had a long-term standoff with the Philistines. For 200 years, the Philistines had harassed uh, and, and been a problem oppressing the Israelites and invaded their territory. And so they were in this, this war. Now it was, it was supposed to be at war, but they had this, this champion battle. It was not really a war. Uh, David, you know, he was a shepherd and he was the youngest of his brothers and his brothers, uh, were sent off to the battle line. They were on the front lines, but David's father calls them and says, hey, go and check on your brothers in the battle with the Philistines. See what is going on. But when he arrives at the battlefield, he finds something surprising. They're, they're not doing anything. They're just sitting in their foxholes. They're doing nothing. And again, it was because of this, you know, historical example of what's known as champion warfare, where a champion of one army would, would be chosen And get out in front of the army and say, hey, send your best guy. Whoever wins, you know, can then win the battle. It saves a lot of lives. But the Israelites were afraid of the champion the Philistines had put up. The guy who was, you know, incidentally his name was Goliath. And now that has a whole other meaning in our, you know, English culture, right? There's a roller coaster called Goliath. And if you're a Goliath, that means you're intimidating and powerful. So they picked their best. And the Israelites didn't have one. King Saul should have been. He was a a head taller than the others, but he wouldn't battle. So David comes on the the scene. I want to read here. It says, the Philistines Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. Certain historians say that's as tall as nine and a half or ten feet. Others say maybe six and a half feet. It's debatable. He was a big guy, though. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Some say that was 125 pounds of of armor on his body. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. They say that was about 15 pounds, just the head of the spear. And his shield bearer went ahead of him. Now, what I want you to understand here, we're going to be talking spiritually here. And what we find in the scriptures is God gives us these historical events, and I believe this is a historical event. But there's meaning, double meaning. And I want you to see Goliath today not simply as the historical figure who fought the battle and lost to David, but as the Goliath of spiritual warfare that we have to face. You know, interestingly, the Philistines... Worshipped many false gods, the, the god of Dagon and Molech. These were gods of fertility. And oftentimes in their worship, in these pagan worship ceremonies, they even offered children in their deception to these false gods. Burning children in a bonfire, thinking that would please God. And, you know, that reminds us of many things in our own culture through history the Holocaust. You know, the, the, the concentration camps, lynchings in our own country, approved of in our culture. Even reports in the past several years of orphans being taken from, Europe, uh, from European orphanages and then sold so their organs could be harvested. This stuff is going on in society today. Not to mention the disgusting issue of sex slavery that still exists in the world right now. I want you to see these enormous issues. As the Goliaths. And we, we're we the David. We're outmatched. There's no question. We are outmatched. And when you think of injustice in all its forms. Think of Goliath. And I want you to believe that God. Has a plan for us. Let's not domesticate Goliath. Into something simple, right? Let's not domesticate him into simply being, hey, the Goliath is my personal goal to get a a promotion. Or my Goliath is, I hope my kid scores a goal in the next game. Real Goliath is a battle that's destroying lives. It's so much bigger. And God is picking unlikely candidates like David the shepherd boy. And David, you know, he got in there, and he wanted to see what was going on in the battle. And we read right here, when he got to the battle line, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Phil- circumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, he sees the battle, and he is ready to fight. There are battles going on. You know, we live in L.A., the city of angels. And we need angels because there's a darkness over the city. The sin is rampant. Depression is rampant. Living for fake sense of security is rampant. Sin overrides all kinds of things. There's a false hope that is presented in L.A. And the real hope is found in the word of God and in the spirit of God. And he is calling you to this battle. Let's not be those that just say, you know, I'm really busy. My time is is filled up. I'm so busy just taking care of things that I've got to do. I've got a full plate of things to do. I'll just make a small donation to help out right here. I'll donate just one hour a week. I'll give a little bit. David ran to the battle line to get into the battle, and I would say for all of us, God is calling us to figure out our passion so we can get in this battle. It's needed. You are needed. I was so inspired. We started the West Coast School of Missions in L.A., and we had... uh, uh, It's not only for the L.A. school or L.A. church. It's for all the Southwest churches. We had 50 students that joined the West Coast School of Missions to be trained in ministry this past three days. I'm so inspired and grateful. I know we had five of our own students that attended right here from the west side. Thank you. You are needed. Every one of us is needed in this battle. Let's look at David as he talks About his passion, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. He ran. He saw the battle at hand and he ran because he said, I cannot stand for this. Defiance of God. We've all had tragedy in our life. We've all had hard times. We all have a story, and that will be next week's lesson about the stories that we have that speak into our mission. But we have a passion that God puts in us. And I hope today your passion can be awakened the way David's was awakened. And that's the big question I want you to answer. What is the name of your Goliath? Who do you want to fight for? What battle are you running toward? Where do you sense a problem and injustice a wrong that needs to be righted. This is really important. It's worth taking time to really probe and figure out in your own life. And I want to talk today practically about three aspects of your passion. These three aspects will help you figure out, God, what are you calling me, and who are you calling me, and how are you calling me to serve? Your people passion, your cause passion, and your influencing passion. I'm going to talk first about your people passion. Who is it that you feel called to serve? There are certain people groups. Usually it has to do with, with when you are called to know God and find God. And when you are converted to Jesus at the cross, usually that will speak into what you're inspired to do now. And, you know, we've been a campus movement for many years, and I'm glad we are. And so many of us, even old guys like me, I I was converted as a senior, graduating senior at UCLA. I was working full time as a stockbroker right here in Century City. But I was so lost, so empty, so morally corrupt. I was desperate for meaning in life. So who do I, I do care about college students that haven't found their purpose. I do care about young professionals. I'm naturally called to that. You're going to be called to some people naturally. You are called to a certain group of people. You know, I, I love down the west side, you know, in all the veneer of success of Hollywood, we know that really that that's not where happiness comes from. But I love that we started the Screenland Ministry. I love that Oscar and Sarah are part of that. I love that Scott Horton is a tremendous artist. I don't know if you know, he's a fantastic graphic design artist. Now he's learning how to edit videos. He's amazing. He's doing all the video editing for what we show here. He's awesome. But he said... I want to use art and my passion for art to reach other artists to make disciples and create content that changes lives. There's a people passion there. What is your people passion? You know, Karima was sharing about just her passion for young women to to dream, uh, to use sport. And, of course, she was a a great gymnast at UCLA. We all have something in our lives or somebody or some aspect of our culture that you are called to. you got to figure out who you're passionate about. Your what? Your cause passion. What is your cause passion today? This is a big one. This speaks into the systemic evils of, all, of our world. This is those big Goliaths. You know, foundationally, we all are called to this great cause of the gospel, right? We know that the cure to cancer is the hearts of mankind. The cure to the evils, to all the systemic evils of our world is the evil inside the heart of a man. So I believe all of us are called to the cause of Jesus, which is seeking and saving the lost, right? The cause of, of really helping people understand who he is, how glorious he is, what he made you to become, and responding to the gospel. But within that gospel, there's the great mission of overcoming injustice because Jesus said... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was his prayer. That should be your prayer, and that should affect the way we live. We read the scriptures that Jesus was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. Healing needs to be a part of our cause. I'm so grateful for our church starting Hope Worldwide, our greater fellowship, the ICOC starting, Hope Worldwide. I'm so grateful for the West Side serving as a part of Hope Worldwide and all the many projects all around the world and the United States. Our own project back in January where we served uh, one of our schools right here in L.A. What is your cause? What lights you up? What issue of injustice makes you want to run to this battle? If there was one area you could make a difference in, what would it be? There's so many causes: poverty, this sex trafficking. I haven't heard anyone in our church specifically going after that issue, but it exists in L.A., certainly exists in different parts of America. It's international problem, man. I I I, I would like to hear if any of us have a heart for that and care about that. What is your cause passion? Certainly, we care. About inclusion in the West Side. Amen. I want to give a hand to the West Side Church and our squad team. We care about inclusion. We recognize systemic issues in our culture. And racism. Systemic racism is a part of American culture. It just is. It affects everything. But we're uprooting it step by step. We're fighting against it step by step. We're changing our mindset so we can live out. That famous speech that we're not judged by anything except the content of our character and not our skin color. Amen. What is your cause? What are you passionate about? You know, in our congregation, there are a lot of you that serve in incredible ways. I do want to hold up two of our, our Albo sisters, our little bit older sisters. I've shared this many times, but they inspire me. And that is Patricia and Asia. And they have a heart for the homeless issue in L.A. And I'm not only them, I know many of you do. I know we served in June, uh, giving out resource cards and food and, pro- and really trying to solve the problem. But how can you not care about that issue in L.A.? How can we not have that on our heart, right? Everywhere we go, it's an issue. And it's not healthy for us to drive by homeless people and not care. I don't have all the solutions, but we do need to care. I've tried to get many in a homeless shelter. Most of them tell me, no, I'm happy on the street. And that's just reality. So the issue is deeper than just having houses for them. There's spiritual issues going on. But what is your cause? Passion? I know many of you, it's simply the cause of the gospel. And I'm so inspired by you. I, I think of people like Chuka, who Chuka is in Bible studies every single week since I've moved here to the west side. I mean, he, he runs two companies and yet he's in Bible studies at least twice a week, you know, on, in general, about twice a week studying the Bible because he's got this passion. When he was a college student, he was converted out of a fake religious viewpoint and he has a mission that means more than making money. And I love that about him. There are many of you that are the same. I, my wife's that same passion. I mean, Kenny, I mean, he is so passionate about ministry. He has said, I'm a minister. And let me tell you. Kenny is passionate about the vocation of being a full-time minister. He's a minister for the Air Force, for the Westside Church. He helps out the hospital. He helps out the team's uh, school, school chaplains. And let me tell you, being a pastor, being a, 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 a full-time minister is a complex, difficult, and highly skilled profession. Highly skilled profession. Kenny's got three master's degrees, and he probably realizes I need more because... I don't know what I'm doing all the time. But I love the passion to care. You know, we have people here whose passion is healing. I think about Catherine Shump, how how she's such a good healer of young women, doing doing the the discovery quiet times and getting into the lives of young women. Some of you are heroes in your passion. All of us have to tap into something, something that burns inside of you. What motivates you? And calls you to something great. And I want to close out today with a final idea that you might not have heard. And that's your influencing passion. Your influencing passion is very important. And it comes from this verse in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You have an aspect of your passion that relates to how God has gifted you to implement your, your who and your what. And that is... Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher. APEST is a help, helpful acronym for that. Each of us is stronger probably in one than the others. Only Jesus was perfect in all five. The apostle launches new ministries, is a sender, is like a missionary, wants to start new projects. A prophet calls the truth, wants to hold people to the fidelity of the Bible. I think of my wife, I think of guys like Kenny, absolutely. Many of you are prophets. Evangelists are recruiters. I'm definitely, I'm I'm an appointed evangelist. I'm a recruiter to the cause. Many of us have that gift. Shepherds who really want to take care of and strengthen and nurture and guide and disciple. So many of you are gifted in that. And some of us are great teachers. We organize, convey God's teaching and truth. I think of Mark Shaw and Kenny and uh, Tim. And so many of us have gifts in this area. Some of you are actually teachers, like Rick, actually teachers for a profession. And you have this gift. All of us need to figure out what exactly is your how. What do you lean towards? And then really speak into that. Live into that. And you will find your passion. How do you typically influence people? Which of those five would you say is your passion? In terms of caring about people and caring about a cause. I want to talk more about this. We're going to study this more as a, as a group. But I want us to begin evaluating which of the five is your ultimate area of influence. You know, when you understand your gift, which we talked about last week, and your passion, which we're talking about this week, it creates a fusion of faith. It creates an internal energy where you don't, you don't feel like you have to live this way. You want to live this way. When you know I'm gifted by God, I'm made uniquely, and God's put things in my heart that give me energy and passion, I care deeply. And energy can be unleashed. Like if you know about fusion energy, right? It creates the the incredible uh, thermonuclear blast that can destroy all things. Well, a fusion of your gifts and your passion can release an energy that can transform our culture. West Side Church, if we tap into this, what can we do to the 1 million people on the west side of Los Angeles? How much can we change? I think we would all bow down in awe if we would each tap into our own masterpiece mission and go, I'm in. God, show me. If you haven't taken the free online assessment, the GPS assessment, from uh, the, the concept that we've been talking about from the book, it's free. It's online and giftpassionstory.com. Please take it. It will help you figure it out. But I want to close off, before we, um, before we answer these questions, I want to close off with the thought on the cross. The ultimate Goliath is human sin. And Jesus won that battle, didn't he? At the cross, even though he didn't know if we would respond, he gave his very life to overcome and cut off the head of sin in humanity. And give us an open door to faith. He is our ultimate David. The better David. And he's calling you to fight the same Goliath. Knowing that you are new. You are brand new. Because of the battle that Jesus won at Calvary. At this time we're going to do what we traditionally do before we take communion. And we're going to have a discussion. And then we're going to pray. We'll take the elements to remember the Lord and what he did for us. So the question right now is, are you ready to join the battle? And what are your passions, your people, cause, and influencing style? Just meet, meet with two or three people near you, in front or behind or right next to you, and let's have a five-minute discussion, and then we will pray for communion. Okay, we're going to pray for communion at this time. If you don't have the uh, elements, please raise your hand and the ushers will hand out the prepackaged bread and the the fruit of the vine. And uh, just a heads up, when we take communion, you know, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. The the goal here is to remember that he gave his body and he shed his blood. And that's why we do this every week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time to reflect on uh, Jesus being the ultimate David who, who overcame the ultimate Goliath. And we're so grateful to reap that victory in our own life through forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus, for your body broken and given for us and your blood shed that gives us a new start every moment of the day. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.